0: You are Locked on Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked on Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network on this Thursday, the 4th of May in the year 2017. I'm your host, John B. from com. Nice to have you with us. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe, either iTunes or Audio Boom, and we will make life very simple for you we will deliver this show to your device each day. It'll be like a new gift each each morning when you wake up, and you can take the show with you no matter where you go on your day. If you really enjoy this show, give it a good rating. We certainly appreciate it, and it, it certainly helps us out, and thanks to those of you who have given the show ratings, um, you guys are so nice. <laughs> Today is Thursday, so on Thursdays on this show, we typically do a mailbag uh, from the comments section of gangrenenation.com that's where we get our questions and we also have some emails from some of you guys so let's jump into it and we had we had a lot of good questions this week uh probably more than we can get to today so I'll tell you what why, why don't we do a mailbag tomorrow too why don't we do two mailbags this week and uh hopefully that won't bore you uh, there're just so many good questions uh why only have one mailbag um first question was emailed to me is from a great listener um, He uh, starts by saying, love the double dip on safety. Who would have thunk it? And this uh, particular listener actually had emailed me a little while back, a couple weeks ago, and asked a question about whether the Jets should uh, take two safeties early in the draft, and he called it. So, (laughs) great job. (laughs) Um, But his question deals with Mike Glennon. And he says, apparently Mike Glennon is an unhappy camper. Uh, Glennon, of course, is the quarterback the Chicago Bears signed in the offseason. Now the Bears moved up in the draft to to, uh, acquire Mitchell Trubisky, the quarterback out of UNC. Um, So anyway, I'm not interested in giving up on the 2017 season. Could the Jets work a deal for Glennon that would include trading McCown or Sheldon Richardson? A competition between Glennon and Hackenberg would be fun. Uh, well, here's the thing. If I think if the Jets were willing to pay Glennon at the price Chicago signed him for, they probably would have done that. So the fact that Jet, the fact that Glennon did not sign with the Jets is a pretty clear indication that the Jets don't like the price Glennon came at. So I, I don't see that changing, and I don't th- I don't see the Bears eating Glennon's salary, um, eating any salary. So I think Glennon's going to be at a price that the just don't want to pay. Um, I, I understand your your point about not giving up on the twenty seventeen season, but is Glennon really a guy who's going to save the season with the team in the state it's in? I'm not so sure about that. I think Glennon's a guy who might improve you a little bit, but I don't know that Glennon's the difference between a disappoint you know a four or five win season and a ten win season. I don't think he's that much of a difference maker. So I don't think. It's in the cards. I, I would be very surprised to see the Jets make that move. I just think the price is going to be too high for uh, Mike Glennon. So let's hop into our next question, and the rest of these questions will, to, for today's show will come from the comment section of com. Next question deals with... Um, Christian Hackenberg. Come January 2018, what must Christian Hackenberg have done for the fans to have penciled him in as next season's starter? I think it's kind of a tricky question. Um you know, obviously if this t- Hackenberg plays plays well and the team has success, the team surprises people, I think that that's going to be a major feather in Hackenberg's cap. I think if you're looking for one factor, what I would say is can he avoid the big mistake? Can he avoid turning the ball over? That's something young quarterbacks frequently struggle with. And it's one of the things that I think separates the so a lot of the very good young quarterbacks from the ones who aren't that good. Um you think about Dak Prescott's year with Dallas. Look, we all know that Dak Prescott went into a dream situation. We all we don't we don't know how good he would have been in another situation. But one thing you can say for him is even if you want to say, well, he was carried by the run game, he was carried by the offensive line, had good receiving targets, he did not he did not turn the ball over. He avoided the big mistake, and that's important. I think back to Derek Carr, his rookie year back in 2014 with the Raiders. Not that impressive, in all honesty. And he was actually kind of overhyped that year. People talked about that year as the rookie year of the next franchise quarterback, which it really was not. It was really a pretty unremarkable season he had. And his second now after his first year, then he really kind of came into his own. But his rookie year wasn't that impressive. But the one thing that gave you hope was again, he did not he avoided the big he did not turn the ball over. So I think that that would that more than anything is what I'd look for from Hackenberg because the that Raiders team was awful. With Carr's rookie year, um, but they felt good about him as their starter, and that's why. And this Jets team may not ultimately be that good. Now, if Hackenberg carries them to some wins, then you know, I think you'll, you've got your guy. You'll, you'll say, we've got our guy going forward. But even if the team's not bad, Hackenberg can only do so much with his surroundings. His surroundings really are not that great. So what I would say is, if, as long as he's not making things worse, because you're, you know, you're, you're either part of the solution or part of the problem. So what you want is you want Hackenberg to be part of the solution. Next question deals with the offensive line. Is it possible this offensive line greatly exceeds expectations? When you look at each player individually, it doesn't seem as bad as it's made out to be. All the different combinations last year with all the injuries, I think, dramatically hurt it. Um, I I agree with your last point that all the different combinations last year with all the injuries dramatically hurt it. Your second question, I'm not sure i necessarily draw the same conclusion, that it doesn't seem as bad when you look at each player individually. I think you just have a lot of guys who, at best, are question marks. Kelvin Beecham, we know he's talented. We know he's played well in the past, but he's coming off a bad year. Is it just because he was coming back from an injury? Well, that's the conclusion you'd like to come up with if you're a Jets fan, but you don't know. And Jacksonville did not think so. And I know we can't really judge. I know the response to that is, "Well, do we really want to judge based on what Jacksonville does?" Well, I mean, in all honesty, do we want to judge based on what the Jets do? <laughs> Jacksonville didn't think so. Jacksonville did not think it, it was uh, that was the issue last year. Otherwise, they would have brought him back. Uh, you go to his right, James Carpenter. Okay, he's solid. But after that, Wesley Johnson. I, I don't understand why people think Wesley Johnson's such a sure thing. I really thought he was kind of shaky. He, you cannot allow pressure up the middle at the rate Johnson pr- allowed last year. He was not that great in pass protection. Allowed too many pressures up the middle I thought. Um, you know, he did okay as a run blocker, but I mean, he, he's got to be better as a pass blocker. That's got to improve. And maybe the Jets have the coach to do it, but it's something that's a question mark entering the season. You go to his right, Brian Winters, you have like 3 quarters of a good season that he's getting paid off of. Can he continue that or will he regress? And again, last year was a good year, was a contract year right of him, I don't even know who's starting. Is it Ben Ajolana? well, I hope not. Agelana is not a very good player. He played really for the first time his career last year. He got extensive action and really did little to distinguish himself from Quali, who was a scrap heap guy. And frankly, Ajalana's a scrap heap guy too. Maybe it's Brandon Shell, but that's a fifth round pick who only played a handful of snaps and look, he, he actually did look pretty good the end of the year, but it's very different playing a couple of good games at the end of the year with your team already out of it than it is playing a full 16 game season effectively. So lots of question marks. Is it possible that they exceed expectations? Well, sure. I mean, you can talk yourself into it, but there are a lot of ifs and there are a lot of things that have to go right. Now, I think one of the things you have, to, one of the ways you have to look at it entering the season is how many ifs are there where I'm saying if this goes right and if that goes right, because, Let's compare it to Dallas. How many things have to go right for Dallas' offensive line to be good? There, aren't a lot, there are not a lot of ifs there. There are a lot of ifs for the Jets. So it could exceed expectations, but you need a lot of things to go right, and maybe too many things to be realistic. Next question is about the safety position. Do you think Giant safety Landon Collins, who was drafted in the second round, is purely a box guy, or do you think he's used in a more interchangeable positional role? How do you think Collins has impacted the Giants' defense? Do you think Collins' success last year may have had some influence on the Jets selecting safeties with their first two pick? Do you think, theoretically, that having two safeties of Collins' ilk will, would have a tremendous impact on the Jets' defense? Lots of, lots of safety questions. Um, I think um, I actually went to pro football focus uh, on this because they, they actually do a pretty good job, and they tell you that he was he was actually a deep safety 37% of the time. So more than one out of every three snaps he was lining up deep. So not a box safety. And he's a guy who, you know, he's known as a run stopper, but he's, he, his second year, he actually was pretty solid against the pass. He really grew into a more sophisticated defensive player where he recognized route combinations. You know, he kind of was able to read the pass, pass plays better. So I think that that's... Uh, is I think he's a fairly complete safety. Uh, I think he's had a tremendous impact on the Giants' defense. He really grew into one of the premier safeties of the league last year. So I think you know I think he, you know there are lots of things that went right for the Giants on defense. Lots of guys they imported, but so I I don't know that you can narrow it down to one specific player. But Collins was in addition to the guys they brought in in free agency. Collins' improvement had an enormous impact on that Giants' defense. I think. Do I think Collins' success had influence on the Jets selecting safeties with their first two picks? I, I do not. I, I think that this is something that was probably coming anyway. I think, first of all, and the Jets will be the first to tell you this, they were surprised that Jamal Adams fell to them. And Mike McCagnan said it. We know that when Adams visited, they said, "Why?" they pretty much told Adams, you're, you're, there's no way you're falling to us. Um, so I think that this Todd Bowles, I mean, Todd Bowles was a safety, so he he's obviously a fan of drafting at the position. I think the Jets had two guys that they really liked fall to them. I think that, you know, they, you, I mean, you can listen to what McKagan said, that they really loved these guys. They were not necessarily focused on the position at the end of the day, although I'm sure Bowles, <laughs> Bowles liking the safety position, being a former safety didn't hurt things. I think what Bowles wants in the safeties is guys who can do a little bit of everything. You know, guys who can line up in the box, line up deep, play a little man-to-man, you know, do a little bit of everything. And I think that's what Bowles likes. Bowles likes having interchangeable safeties. And if you have two guys who can do a little bit of everything, it really, I think, can wreak havoc on the opposing offense because the other team's offense, you have to figure out where these two guys are going on every play because you're not careful the guy's going to go out and destroy your play. So I think adding two safeties like this, and first of all they're they're good, they're they're effective, they know what to do, they're gonna have a big time impact on this defense and as something we've talked about this week, just how many blown assignments the Jets had, so many busts in coverage they had deep last year, big plays allowed as a result. You cannot, if you can't prevent your team from busting coverages and allowing big plays, nothing else you do matters. So that had to be fixed. Now, I will say this. Sometimes it takes a year. So I'm not sure whether this year, I mean, these guys are going to look like rookies at times. There's still going to be issues. By year two, though, I think what you're hoping for is to have the, one of the top safety duos in the NFL, and certainly possible. Do you think Jordan Leggett will have an immediate impact in the passing game? Um, I think that whenever we're talking about a fifth round rookie, it's always wise to take the under, and that goes double when we are talking about the tight end position because yeah, I was actually thinking about this um today. The tight end position, I'll tell you, that might be the toughest position to transition to in the NFL, other than maybe quarterback. And this is just me spitballing. This is, you know, sometimes I'll tell you stuff I've heard from people in the know. That's just me kind of throwing my own thought out there because you think about the tight end position is you got to learn the tight end's routes. You got to learn all the receivers' routes. You got to learn outside the slot. You got to learn how to block. I mean, you got to learn so many different aspects of a play that's just tough to pick up on. So, I, I mean, I think we're probably talking about um, keeping expectations low with Leggett. I think the Jets will probably look to use him in the red zone. With Brandon Marshall gone, though, they're going to need to utilize a big red zone target. And I will say this, as much as I will say keep your expectations low, a pretty good chance Leggett's going to be more productive than what they had. And that's just because of how little, I mean, it's unbelievable how little they got now that the tight end position. So from that standpoint, I mean, Leggett probably, I would not be surprised at all if Leggett was more productive than what they had at the tight end position, but I don't see him being a big-time impact guy this season. I think I think you may have to wait a little while on that. Next question is it's a follow-up question from a different uh, person. Do you expect Leggett or Darius Stewart to have more of an impact in the first year? And I'll go with Leggett on that one because even though I'm taking the under, Leggett has a clearer path to playing time. Jets have kind of a logjam when it comes to young players at wide receiver, so Stewart may be pressed to uh, get opportunities, whereas Jets don't really have a whole lot of tight end outside of Austin, Safari, and Jenkins, who is not exactly a great player. So I I would go with Leggett more productive, but let's not go crazy. I mean, even uh, – note – I mean, you – there aren't many tight ends who produce much as rookies because, for the reasons I, I mentioned, I think. And, I mean, heck, let's talk about Gronk. Rob Gronkowski, who is going to go down as one of the great tight ends in NFL history. I mean, by the time he's done, you may be able to... Uh, it's possible we may be remembering Gronk as the best tight end ever. And um, you know what Gronk did as a rookie? And this is, I mean, this is a guy who puts up, I mean, insane stats, but as a rookie um forty two catches five hundred forty six yards and that's not a time mean, that's not big time actually he actually had ten touchdowns, which is impressive, but only forty two catches so nine, 90 his second year his breakout year so um that just shows you even five hundred forty six yards not a lot now they used him in the red zone that year, and I think like it could be used in the red zone and i, no, I don't think like it's putting up ten touchdowns, but you always have to keep your enthusiasm level low for, for rookie tight ends. But I do think probably if you're asking me between, uh, Leggett and Stewart, I'll go with, uh, Leggett. Next questions about Vanderland, who is a, uh, a guy who's going to be joining the Jets in training camp. He was an undrafted free agent, uh, a year ago. And he, um, actually was a, uh, Jason, his name's first name Jason, Jason Vanderland. And he was actually a quarterback at uh, Ferris State, a, actually a legendary college quarterback at Ferris State, um, S- Division II school, signed with the Jets as an undrafted rookie last year. And the, the question about Vanderland is, um, is there a substantive assessment at how he's progressed to be, is there a substantive Assessment of how he's progressed to be had at this point in time. By substantive, I don't mean the obvious fact he's learning a new position; it's difficult, etc. They're bringing him back, even with Zafari and Jenkins, and Les- Leggett on board. They must be seeing in something him at least as possible depth. I don't really know how you can how he could have progressed because he was in camp last year and he got cut, and then he really was he was out of the NFL. He was not, not on a team. He was not on a practice squad until the Jets signed him in des- late December, so there really wasn't any time for him to progress. I think the Jets, yeah, the Jets see something in him. They see him enough to bring him to camp. They see enough in 90 guys to bring to camp though. Um, I, I think that this is a case where your expectations have to be very low. Um, the Jets did see enough to br- of him to bring to bring to camp, but he was also in the first round of cuts last year. And now, in the preseason, there were two rounds of cuts. You start with 90, after the third preseason game, 15 guys go uh, after that number th- three game, and you get down to 75. And then after the fourth game, you cut from 75 to 53. So, you know, another 22 guys go. Um, Vanderlin was in that first round of cuts. He was not even one of the top 75 guys in training camp last year. They saw enough of him to bring him into the practice quite late in the year, but that that's got to stick out to you because – if he had shown that much potential, he probably would have been on the practice squad all season. Probably would have lasted past that first round of cuts. At least made it to the 75 to 53 rounds. And yeah, I mean, the Jets see enough potential in him to bring him aboard. But again, 37 guys, give or take, they, that they're going to see enough potential in to bring to camp who are not going to ultimately make the roster. And 37, give or take, because you may have an injury, you may have a signing, but... That's pretty much the, those are the numbers you're dealing with. And yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, there's a lot he's got to pick up on it. He's got to, I mean, he's got to pick up the most basic uh, technical parts of a new position. This is not like moving from corner to safety or it's like moving from tackle to guard or even, you know, safety, to linebacker. I mean, there's like nothing in common with what he was doing before. And then you have to factor in the fact that he's going against far better athletes than he's ever seen before. And not being, I'll tell you, this is a guy who really needed coaching. He really needed to be on a practice squad last year for his development. And I think that this is a guy who is a poster boy for somebody who gets hurt by the lack of a developmental league. You all—you hear constantly people talk about how with NFL Europe gone, which is, heck, it's been gone over a decade now, I think. No, there hasn't been a league in Europe for developmental players in over a decade and that was an off-season league where lower-tier guys on the roster could go and work on their games, actually get some game experience, practice with professional coaching. This is the type of guy who a league like that would be perfect for. Um, he um, He's a guy who just needs, to, he needs reps. He needs practice reps. He needs to get into games. And this is the, the poster boy of a guy who's hurt by the lack of a developmental league because this is a guy who needs to learn a lot. And this is one of the things I really don't understand about the NFL is that in the next couple days, the Jets are going to have a rookie mini camp and the guys that will be there are the draft picks and the undrafted pick, undrafted guys. And there are also going to be some first year players, some guys who, you know, maybe they were in training camp last year, but by the time the season rolled around, they were either on the practice squad out of the league or on IR and Vanderland actually might end up being there because he, I think he'd be eligible. And particularly for the tryout guys, they really don't have, they have like two days to impress the coaching staff, and the coaching staff's attention is diverted, because they have so many guys there, they have the draft picks they have to watch and try and teach, they have the undrafted free agents, and so these guys have, these tryout guys have virtually no chance of uh, really catching anybody's eye, and the amount of tryout guys when you combine it with the picks and non-drafted free agents and other guys they bring in is almost enough for a full roster so i don't understand why the nfl doesn't just have all these teams put together put together a full roster of like tryout guys and rookies and other guys who need work who need their games to develop and have like a four-game spring league or something like that with each team the nba does this in the summer league they have a summer league where they they Take young players and try out guys, and it's a, it's a good idea. And it'd give a guy like Vanderland a chance to get some practice time, get some work with coaches, and get some game experience. You know, I, I mentioned this, I wrote something on dot nation.com a long time ago, over a year ago, where I mentioned the NBA Summer League, and I wondered why the NFL had nothing like it. And I got like one universal response, which was, Well, you can't have it, in, you can't have a league in summer. And I mean, and My response: was just, You've missed the point entirely. It's not about whether the league's in summer or not. It's having a developmental league. You can play it in March and you know May and June. That's not the the, the time of year doesn't matter. But it just makes sense to have a guy, for guys who are tryout. First of all, it gives tryout players like a month to really get to know the coaching staff, give them a chance to really catch the coaching staff's eye, and it gives developmental players a chance to play. And heck it even gives maybe you got a you got a position coach who's interested in moving up. Gives him a chance to run a team. Get, at least get some frame of reference for what it takes to be a head coach. You know, one of your position coaches could run the uh developmental league team. It just makes too much sense to not happen. I have no idea why it has not happened. Um but I I think Vanderland has a really tall hill to climb. Um I can't tell you that there's any progress because when would he have progressed? When would he have shown progress? There's just no time for it. So I I think it's much more likely that he ends up in the first round of cuts again. than I think it does that he uh, ends up being a player for the jets. I I think it's making this team is a long shot. In fact, I think heck out of all the guys on this roster, I think he, might be the least likely guy to make the team. If not then I think it may be uh maybe close. Um next question and it'll be our last question f- today. Um well, again we'll do a second mail back tomorrow just cuz there were so many good questions. Do you think that drafting two safeties that fill similar similar roles will negatively impact Jamal Adams's development? I think Jamal Adams has the potential to be a top-flight strong safety in the league. He is more of a modern strong safety, so to speak, that has a natural ability to not be a liability in coverage and can do more than the traditional strong safety. However, I still think that allowing him to play more of a strong safety role by pairing him with a good free safety, a.k.a. a more traditional cover center fielder type, would allow him to develop into the game-breaking force we are all hoping he can be better than matching him with another similar player like May, one with less natural ability. Having the flexibility to sometimes interchange the roles at safety is a good thing, but one of the knocks on May is that he lets up big plays, which is really the last thing you want in a free safety. That is typically the last line of defense. Due to Adams having more natural ability in May, I'm worried worried that we'll see Adams in more of a free safety role than a strong safety role. I think he's better suited to excel at the strong safety role, and this could negatively affect his development. In the past, we've seen the Jets play best players out of position to try and fit the team needs, but I think it would be a big mistake to to make a top pick play out of his natural position to try and cover up a hole in a year in which it seems we are not likely to make the playoffs. How do you see the Jets utilizing both of their their new safeties, and how would you personally like to see them utilized? I think that you speak to a common misconception. I, I, there's this idea that there are just two separate, totally distinct safety positions where one guy's always in deep center field and one guy's always in the box. And that's just really not the way a lot of teams do it. There's There are some teams that do it that way, but I don't see it that way. I think that most teams use – I think there are a lot of teams that use their guys as kind of interchangeable and – I don't see any problem with it. I think that's, you know, it's not a bad thing to, to have two guys who can do a little bit of everything. I don't think Adams is a guy who can never play the deep center field role. I think he'll, he'll do pretty well if you put him there. I don't think, he, he's not a guy who always needs to be, I think that would only make sense to me if Adams was a guy who couldn't handle the center field role, and he can. And I, I think I think the same goes for May. I, I think May shown that he can handle the center field role at times, and you can also make plays near the line. These are two guys who can do a little bit of everything. So I don't think that you're necessarily maximizing them by just giving them rigid roles, saying you do one thing, you do the other. Um, so I, I don't, I really don't see it that way, and I think that that's a common misconception that you, you free sit, you have a free safety who always plays deep. That's not the way every scheme works, um, and it's not the way the Jets scheme works. So I, I don't see this as a problem. I, you know, I appreciate the question. But I, I don't think that that's really as big of an issue as you're making it out to be. So um, I think that that's, um, you know, I, I don't see that as a big issue. I, I think Adams is going to be good no matter where you, where you stick him in. I don't think his his development's going to be stunted at all by doing that. Anyway, so thanks for the question, though. I mean, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be uh, dismissive of your question. It is It's a good question, I just... I don't agree if I I respectfully disagree with your uh, with your question. So thank you, though. And thank you for everybody who asked questions. And thank you for everybody who tuned in. Um, This has been the Locked On Jets podcast. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe to the show, either iTunes or Audio Boom, and give it good ratings if you'd be so kind. Until next time, have a great day, everybody. the list.